appreciate uh, Pastor Chris leading us in the message last week uh, in the first part of Peter's sermon, and this week we'll get to the second uh, part of that in verses 17 through uh, 26, and I will be reading to you uh, from the Word of the Lord, uh, beginning at verse 17 of Acts chapter 3. Peter, preaching here, says, And now, brethren... I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets that his Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. Therefore, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away, in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send Jesus, the Christ, appointed for you, whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient time. Moses said, The Lord God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren. To him you shall give heed to everything he says to you. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And likewise, all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and his successors onward also announced these days, it is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Heavenly Father, we come before you again with thanksgiving, rejoicing in your mercy and kindness, Lord. I thank you, God, for what you have done in and through us. I thank you, God, for the mercy and kindness which you have shown us. I thank you for the power of your word, Lord, and we pray now that you would work in and through us by the power of the Spirit. Speak to us this morning, Lord. And we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, for this time of worship and song, worship and giving, worship and reading the word. And we pray, God, that you would worship, uh, help us to worship through the message as well uh, this morning. We're grateful for your kindness today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. So again, just uh, to remind you of what is happening here uh, as we look at this message in Acts chapter 3 and what, again, Pastor Chris Chapel preached and shared with you this past week, uh, it was the beginning of, of this message. And this sermon was really in essence, uh, in essence or in response to the healing of the lame Beggars. So we're still kind of dealing with that issue, and actually we'll continue to deal with it all the way into uh, chapter 4. And in the beginning of that message, Peter begins to talk about why are you uh, looking at us as if by our own power or our own might that we healed this man. It wasn't through us, but it was through the name of Jesus, through this Jesus whom you crucified, that this man is uh, healed. And so in the second portion of this message, Peter is working through and really teaching them and focusing on uh, the nature of repentance and what we must do in order to receive from the Lord his blessings and eternal life 
with him. One of the things that I think is important here to note also is we have a concept in our culture, uh, certainly today, where Judaism and Christianity are two separate uh, religions. And that, that is true because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. But at this time, what was happening was Peter did not see uh, Christianity or a belief in Jesus as separate and apart from Judaism. He saw it as the fulfillment of prophecy. So he saw those who now believed in Jesus as the true Jews, those who truly believed, those who truly uh, knew what God was doing uh, in the earth. <coughs> and so it's important to note that as we work through these uh, passages. Verses 17 and 18. And now, brethren, I know that you acted in ignorance, just as your rulers did also. But the things which God announced beforehand by the mouth of all the prophets, that his Christ would suffer, he has fulfilled. So Peter is speaking to people here that he believes are responsible, that he sees as responsible for uh, the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he assures his listeners that God has fulfilled these messianic promises through Jesus, meaning that Jesus has fulfilled the prophecies that have come beforehand, that he had to suffer, and that the suffering of Jesus happened because of those who he was speaking to. So imagine in our context, such as today, if I am preaching to you, and I'm preaching to you very pointedly after a death of Jesus Christ on the, on the cross. Imagine that it had just happened a few days, few weeks prior, and I'm preaching to you, and I'm saying, this sinless man who was up on the cross happened specifically because of you. This is exactly what Peter was doing in this moment, that the things which God has announced beforehand, that his Christ would suffer, that God has fulfilled those things. And so the question comes, why does God announce this beforehand? Why does God give us foreknowledge or understanding? Why does God give us prophetic voices to help us understand what is going to happen in the future? 1 Corinthians chapter 14 and verse 3 says, but the person who prophesies speaks to people for edification, encouragement, and consolation. So God has given these prophecies, God speaks to us beforehand in order that we might be edified, in order that we might be encouraged, and in order that we might be consoled. Because there are times in our life when things may happen to us, and we need to be reminded that God is working a historical plan for his purposes and for his glory. And what the uh, apostle Peter was trying to speak here in this moment is that God was working to fulfill all of the ancient promises in the Lord Jesus Christ, that Jesus had to come and Jesus had to suffer. And the scriptures tell us about the context in which these 
the context of these specific promises and how they are fulfilled through Jesus Christ. And what had happened in this moment is that the religious leaders, the Jews, had either forgotten those promises or they had failed to apply them to the Lord Jesus Christ and his life upon the earth. It's very easy for us to forget God's promises, isn't it? When we get in the midst of our particular problem or our particular challenge or our mind or our thoughts get drawn away after our own things, it's easy for us to forget about the promises that the Lord has given to us. Jesus died upon the cross, the cross being, hear me as I, as I share this, the cross being the epitome of human sinfulness, taking someone and who had, in this day, apart from Jesus, who had done a crime, lifting them up on a cross for everyone to see in order to inflict maximum pain upon that person, in order for them to suffer for everyone to see, and in order to use it as a tool to control other people. That was the purpose of the cross, to take people who were enemies of the state, people who were political prisoners, people who had done some sort of crime, and to take them and to punish them in the presence of other people, to lift them up in shame, to take that shameful moment and maximize the excruciating pain out of it. And Jesus took the sinful uh, symbol of human sinfulness, and he transformed the cross into a place of God's grace. How many of you here this morning happen to be wearing a cross around your neck? Anyone? Interesting. <laughs> there goes that illustration. <laughs> Next Sunday, please. <laughs> but we revere the cross. It's part of our logo <laughs> because we believe the cross is a place of grace what the world had seen as a place of human sinfulness, had used as a point of human sinfulness, God transformed that cross as a place of God's ultimate grace. Jesus was lifted up in shame. Jesus endured a maximum place of human suffering. Jesus became a, a spectacle in order that you and I might have eternal life through his righteous sacrifice. Because when we now look upon the cross, we don't see the cross as a place where we find shame, but we find grace. We find mercy at the cross. We find love at the cross. God took the cross and he made it a place of grace and of peace. What humans devised for maximum evil, God used for maximum mercy. God has his promises, which he has given to us, which he has shown to us in his word. And these promises bring us hope and peace. 
Yet it's often these promises that find their fulfillment in the trials and sorrow of life. So in the Old Testament, the prophetic voices that were given over and over again that pointed to the suffering of the Messiah, that pointed to Jesus as a suffering servant, servant, they found their fulfillment in the trial of the cross. Likewise, also in your life, there are often times where God has spoken things of promise in your life. God has given you his word. Maybe even as a child, God gave you a word to hold on to and to believe about your life. Or maybe as you were going through a period of life or something that you were seeking after the Lord, God gave you a scripture to stand upon and to see his promises fulfilled through that particular scripture. And yet you're going through the challenges of life and you say, Lord, how can that possibly be fulfilled? Lord, how can this ever come to pass. God, I remember that particular moment where you gave me that particular promise, and yet here in this moment, I'm walking through this deep and dark trial, and in this deep and dark trial, I do not understand how possibly this promise could come to pass. Those of you who know me know that sometimes when I preach, my voice uh, goes. <coughs> Thank you, brother. Would y'all mind just praying for me where you are, please? So, Lord, I believe you've called me to get through this word, and I thank you, Lord, for it. God, in this moment, in this season of life, God, season of existence, I know certainly, uh, even with a cough, even with a rattle of the voice, our minds go to a certain place. Lord, I pray in this moment that you'd help us just to stick with your word. God, help us to hear from your word. Thank you, Lord, for your kindness and grace today. So, God, I just pray for your continued anointing. Lord, I believe you've spoken this word for this day, for this people. So help me in this moment by your grace and kindness. In Jesus' name, amen. In the moment of our pain and sorrow, in the moment of our personal difficulty, Uh, oftentimes I believe that these are the times when God is working out his promises for us. We don't like pain. You know, Jesus on the night before the cross, what did he do? He prayed, let this cup pass from me. I don't want to have to bear this cup, Lord, but nevertheless, not your will, uh, not, not my will, but your will be done. 
The Apostle Paul, in writing in Romans chapter 5, says that we glory also in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit He has given to us. In other words, God is using our pain in this life for our good and His glory. Some of you, I know, I, I, you've been open. You've shared with me some of your journey. Some of you have shared with others part of your journey. And I know that there are some of us who this morning are walking through what seems to be the major trial of our life. It seems to be God things were going well. Why am I now at this point? God, why do I have to walk through this particular issue, this particular moment? God, why is my health not being healed? Why are my finances not coming together? Why is my family not uniting as I would hope that my family would? And we have to realize that if you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you have put your faith and your trust in him, if you seek to honor him and you love Jesus, God is able to take every negative circumstance in your life and to work it around so that it builds you up, it helps you to persevere in the faith, it helps you to build character, and it gives you hope. He has a plan for the challenges that you are facing today. <clears throat> God has a plan. Verse 19. Therefore, Peter speaking to, to his hearers, repent and return so that your sins may be wiped away in order that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus the Christ appointed for you whom heaven must receive until the period of restoration of all things about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from ancient times. Peter shares two different situations that you and I face in life. One are those who are like the Lord, and it's situations or trials that are brought on our life by the wicked deeds of other people, things that other people have done to us. But then there's also those who are like the Jews in Jerusalem that have difficult and challenging things that come upon them because of things they have done to themselves. So there's things that have been done to us and things that we have done to ourselves. And sometimes what we have to recognize is the things that have been done to us then produce things that we do to ourselves. So the sufferings of Jesus were working for a greater good. 
Jesus the just suffered for the unjust. But Peter emphasizes in this moment that even though the Jews acted according to God's plan, they crucified Jesus, and that was according to the plan that Jesus was going to suffer, that they still bore the penalty of that sin. They were still culpable for what they had done. And in order to remove their guilt, they had to repent and return. And if they did this, their sins would be wiped away, times of refreshing would come, and Jesus would come back and restore all things. And the entirety of Peter's message is focused toward that particular point, that God offers forgiveness for sin when we truly repent and turn to Him. And the main sin that Peter laid at their doorstep was the sin of ignorance. You were ignorant of this. You did it in ignorance. You crucified the Lord in ignorance. And I believe for you and I, what we must know is that to overcome ignorance, we must know God and know his word. It is important for us to be in the word, and it is important for us to know the Lord. In the scripture, there are two types of knowing, simply knowing someone, knowing that they exist, or knowing someone in a very personal way. Knowing someone as a friend. The religious leaders knew the Lord as a person, They knew the Word of God. They understood the Word of God. They could quote the Word of God. They could walk out and try to live the Word of God, yet they did not know God. And one of the ways that we see that we know the Lord is when we live out in His righteousness. True Repentance, when we come to Christ, true repentance calls us for a radical reorienting of our life toward the things of the Lord. This is why I believe so many people have been lulled to sleep thinking that they are in a relationship with Jesus because at some point back there, they prayed some sort of formulaic prayer, but that formulaic prayer did not produce any fruit worthy of repentance because it wasn't a true heart change. There has to be a heart change. Now, mind you, before salvation... God does not, is not concerned about your works. He's concerned about your faith, believing in Jesus, accepting him as the righteous sacrifice. After salvation, you are to do good works worthy of repentance. The way you treat other people, the way we treat other people ought to change. The way we love other people ought to to change, the way we walk alongside other people in their trials and in their challenges ought to change. My hope would be that in a place like this where you and I are 
seeking the Lord together, and most of us, Lord willing, proclaim a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, that if we find a brother or sister who is struggling in some issue or some sin, that we would be willing to come along and walk alongside of them, that we would not be the ones who turn our back or begin to whisper and talk about so-and-so and thus-and-so and whatever else, that we will be a people who is willing to come alongside to love people, understand that Again, some people get trapped in some things and they need someone to help pick them up and walk along with them on the journey of life. Riverstone has to be a church like that. We have to be a church that looks around this room and thinks about those who are watching online, and we see these people as people who are created in the image of God, who the Lord Jesus Christ died with, who the enemy is battling for their soul. And we have to be ones who we pray, God, take the scales off my eye that I don't see what's physically in front of me, but I see the spiritual battle that is taking place over this soul in the heavenlies. God, help me to see the spiritual battle. And God, as you have called me into Christ, what you have called me to do is not pick up carnal weapons, but to pick up spiritual weapons to help fight this battle. God, help me every time to pick up spiritual weapons in order to fight the battle. Fight the battle for myself, fight the battle for my brother and for my sister, that we are going to come alongside of one another. We're not going to gossip and yak-yak and talk and all of these things that we find in other places. Do you know about so-and-so? Do you know? We're not going to do that here. It is sin. It is sin. What we will do is bow a knee and fight the spiritual battle. What we will do is get into the scriptures and see when the woman caught in adultery was brought to the Lord and cast before him, when everyone else is pointing the finger, Jesus says, go and sin no more. That's the place I want to be because that's what I believe our world is longing for in our day. And that is the kind of place that I believe that Jesus is able to work through, to take people who are in the muck and in the mire of their sin and in all the things that the world can throw at them. And by a spiritual battle being fought and being won, they are able to step up. They are able to become whole. Their families are able to become whole. And the next generation experiences things different than that person experienced. We must want that. We must long for that. I am tired of being in church and in places where people come in and people go out and it's the same thing all the time. But what it requires for you and I who are here who say, yes, that's what we want. Yes and amen is that sometimes we have to get our hands dirty. Sometimes it's going to be a little challenging. Sometimes there might be a little rub between some of us. But what we have to do is to put back the carnal weapons and pick up the spiritual weapons 
What do we do? What did Jesus say? Get what out of your own eye? Get what? Get, get the plank, get the log out of your own eye before. Now, now just think, if I had a, you had something in your eye and I was coming to help you get it out. <laughs> it doesn't work, does it? I said, no. Take care of yourself first, brother. That's exactly what Jesus was intending. Because this is the point. When you and I are serious about our spiritual weapons, when we're serious about picking them up and doing what the Lord has called us to do, that we are able to see some people rescued from eternal destruction. Verses 23 and 26 speak to this. And it will be that every soul that does not heed that prophet, meaning Jesus, shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. And then down to verse 26. For you first God raised up his servant and sent him to bless you by turning every one of you from your wicked ways. Here's what we must understand. God has a plan for redemption, but God also has a plan for destruction. Every soul that does not heed the Lord shall be utterly destroyed from among the people. Yes, God is love. Yes, God is kindness. And yes, when God works, God is totally just. And the souls who he says, depart from me, he is totally gracious, he is totally good, he is totally kind, just as he is with the souls who he says, welcome into your rest. But you and I must understand not every soul is going to hear that. Not every soul is going to hear, welcome into your rest, welcome into heaven. Not every soul will hear that. But what I'm so thankful about is that we have people who have a passion to go out and share the gospel. This passage in verse 23 comes out of Deuteronomy 18 and Leviticus 23. It's quoted in your Bible. It's probably verse 23 of chapter 3 is probably in like caps or something along those lines because that indicates that it's a quotation from the Old Testament. And here Moses, uh, from that quotation, Moses was telling the Israelites not to be like the other nations, not to practice sorcery and divination, not to be like them or they would be completely cut off from Israel. And Peter is using that scripture to say, if you desire to be like the nations, you will be completely cut off from the promises of God. Therefore, return, repent and return from your wicked ways. Repent from the wickedness. God is speedily willing to forgive those who come to him in repentance. But he will also judge and cut off those who fail to repent of their sins against him. Hear me. God will judge those who fail to repent of their sins against him. And as believers in Jesus, you and I must have a desire then to go and share that message with those who have not heard and with those who have not been obedient. Repentance is what Jesus preached when he began his preaching ministry, Matthew 4 and 17 says, Jesus spoke, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. 
just as assuredly as there is a heaven, there is a hell. Just as assuredly as there are souls in heaven, there are souls in hell. If you've known the grace of the Lord, this is why we must be an evangelistic church. Because there are people in this community around us, there are people in the communities that have been visited that do not know the Lord. And if they die in their sins, they will die eternally apart from Jesus. And that should break our heart. We must preach and teach and share the whole gospel. Not just the good things that we like, but the whole gospel. That there is coming a day, there is coming a day of judgment. The righteous to eternity with the Lord. The unrighteous to eternity apart from Him. And we should have an urgency about us to go and share the message of the cross. Stand with me this morning as we pray together. Lord Jesus, we come before you in thanksgiving. I thank you, Lord, for helping me to get through this message. God, to be able to articulate what I believe you put on my heart. But God, I need you to do what I cannot do, Lord. What I have uh, faltered even in doing, Lord. God, I pray that you would take this message and apply it to the heart of your people. God, please, we pray. God, I pray by your mercy that Riverstone, Lord, would be a church that is earnest about our relationship with you, God. And if we're earnest about our relationship with you, we will not become a social club. We will not become some sort of tired, dead gathering over and over and over again. Lord, God, I don't want that. I don't want it. I want, oh God, what I pray for, Lord Jesus, is what I read here in the book of Acts. What I read in the book of Acts and what I see in the book of Acts, Lord God, is that your people, when they were empowered by the Holy Spirit, they went forward, they did mighty things for you, Lord, and did what Peter and John did in this moment when people looked at them and said, wow, they said, no, it's about Jesus. God, not that we would receive any glory, not that we would receive anything from it, Lord, but that you would receive all of the praise, oh God. Lord, I come before you in this moment, and I pray, God, that as a church body that you would shake us and help us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be focused towards this end, to be a church, oh God that seeks to fulfill the Great Commission, that seeks to go into all the world and to preach this gospel. Lord, that people would turn from their wicked ways and turn to you, O God, that they then would go forward and they would preach some more and others would turn and come to you, God, because we know the end is coming, O Lord. God, when we look around and we see what is going on, Lord, we see what is happening in the world. You said, God, you said in your word, Lord Jesus, that we would 
know the season of your return, oh Lord. And God, a couple of days ago, I looked out my window of the kitchen, Lord, and I saw a tree in the backyard, and I saw the leaves beginning to change. I saw the green leaves beginning and spots to begin to turn yellow. And it tells me that even while it still feels like summer outside, that fall is coming. That autumn is ahead. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that as I can see those things with my natural eye, I pray, oh Lord, that you would help me with my spiritual eye. Help all of us, Lord, to be able to see what you are doing in our day. Lord, we thank you so much for your graciousness and kindness. Compel us, Lord, to go out. Compel us, Lord, to share the message of the cross. Compel us, Lord, to have grace and compassion for those in need. Compel us, Lord, to truly be the body of Christ, to truly exemplify the virtues of Jesus on this earth, Lord, and to long for that day when you return. So, Lord God, today I just pray your blessings upon this people that your hand of mercy and kindness would be upon them. I pray, God, that you would touch them by your mighty hand. We thank you, Lord, for what you have done. We thank you for your kindness and grace today. We rejoice in you. pray your blessings upon each one. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen. Amen.